Hello and welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda, I am your host, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing alright. Do you have a good holiday season, Alice? I did. Got a lot of eating done. Got a lot of, um, celebrating done. I've slept a lot. Oh, pretty good. Sleeping is good. I like sleeping. I endorse this Same. choice. I woke up just to talk to you. Oh, I'm so glad that you've taken your time out of your sleeping schedule to chat with little old me about these bears. Here to help us talk about these bears is returning. Uh, our our dear friends, Yasha and Vana, are still on personal leave. So we have filling in for them. Cassie, how are you, Cassie? Hey, what up? It's your girl. I'm doing great. Yay! Okay, that, 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 that was terrible. Can I do that over? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll cut this great. all out. <laughs> don't don't even cut it out. Just leave all of that, including the awkward intro in. Hell yeah, I'll do that, and the listeners will. I'll, I would say they'd never know, but I'm saying it now, so they will know because I'm not gonna take this out either uh hi cassie how's it going i'm doing good i've been here watching over my wife's slumbering body and uh <laughs> now i'm ready to watch some shows about bears where nothing bad happens to anyone no nothing bad happens to anyone in this tv show i'm very excited to talk about this episode we are talking about yuri kuma arashi episode eight bride in the box and oh, that, that sounds lovely did, yeah, sounds lovely. Uh, how do we? How does everyone feel going into this episode? Do we have a thumbs up, thumbs down? It doesn't have to have any context. We will get into the context, I assure you. Thumbs up. I also have a thumbs up for this episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, three bear claws out of three. Oh yes, you. Uh, we mentioned this previous to hitting record but you had mentioned in one of your previous episodes recording with us that you were hoping to be able to be on the episode for a certain episode and you told me before we started recording that that is this yes you're excited to talk about this episode is there anything that you can get into that is like I don't want to say pre-spoiler, because, like, I guess we go into all these episodes assuming that you've watched You've actually or... watched them, yeah. Yeah, but, like, is there anything that you want to go into that isn't too spoiler-heavy before we start? Without going into too, too much detail, this is the episode where we get the most direct payoff for all that weird visual... All the kind of, like, visual references to the film Suspiria. Yeah, this is the episode that actually makes you go like, oh, that's why, that's why those are happening. <laughs> and I won't say too much more because I watched Suspiria entirely to get why those references were happening. And then not only did it become one of my favorite movies, but now I'm getting to, uh, to watch this episode kind of for the first time with the full benefit of knowing 
the show had kind of been teasing it up until this point, and nice. it was a blast. Well, I am excited to talk about this episode because I still, I'm still only experiencing the show as we go through it. So I have not watched any episodes past this, but I really liked this episode. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited this one's a banger. to get into it. It, it is, right. as the kids say, a banger. Do the youths even say that anymore? You know, I wouldn't know because I don't talk to any youths. I do not either, but I have heard that apparently uh, they have lost their champion, the Pog. Is that true? Apparently, yes, by the way. Pog champ uh, is not a thing anymore. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I actually, I knew that. Twitch banned Pog champ. I knew that uh, they had banned Pog champ. There is no longer a Pog a champion. Trump supporter. Yep. Anyway, okay, now we should be good to go. All right, and we begin as we always do with the uh, media factory logo, just strongly aesthetic, which I hope is actually moving and not paused. Ah, uh, the Kadokawa video logo, the uh, best part of every Yurikuma episode. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of unironically love the Kadokawa Pictures logo. It's just, it's a phoenix. It's very cool. Oh, and here we go. We're getting our actual proper opening. So we are opening on the exact shot at the end of our previous episode, which, if you remember, was uh, Kureha confronting Ginkgo. You know, you didn't tell me that you were the friend I forgot about until she notices Ginkgo is wearing her star- a star pendant. The star pendant. Yep, which belonged to Kureha's mother. And she says, only the bear who killed my mother could have that. Why do you have it? Which it's worth noting that the school principal or whatever, Reza Hawkeye, had been the one who said that... Uh, her name is uh, Eureka, actually. Yeah, like we said, Reza Hawkeye. She's Reza Hawkeye. We will talk about Eureka in this episode, but for now she is Principal Reza Hawkeye. And she was the one who told Kareha that the pendant would be held by the bear that killed her mother. Yep. We will find out why that is significant later. And for now, we, uh, we're just watching the title animation. We love the title animation. Yasha and Vana are not here to tell us that they hate how whispery the song is because we all like it and we have a fun time with it. It's good. They can't deny it now. Look, all I want in the world is someone whispering to me in Japanese and French that they love me a lot. And that they want you. They want to kiss me. Yeah. Isn't that what every lesbian wants? I think some lesbians want swords, but other than that, yeah. Well, I, you know, you have two hands. You can want kisses and... (laughs) Swords. Kisses and blades. Yep. Yeah. That reminds me, Alice, we really need to get Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Oh, yes. yeah, the game? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we begin on a flashback to 20 years ago. This is Reza Hawkeye's origin story. Yep. Okay, so this character who is approaching little Eureka, little Reza Hawkeye, and rescuing her. This him she is talking about. Uh, notice the high heels and the very feminine features. The only masculine-coded person in the entirety of the anime. I feel like it is very bold to call this person masculine-coded. No, it's not. Comparatively. No, 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 it's not. And I will tell you why. That's a theater costume worn in Takarazaka Theater by women playing the part of men. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's why they're doing it. It's sort of a soft compromise with the fact that, like, the show deliberately tries to minimize the number of male characters. It sure does. Yeah, and so they decided... I So this is a thing that I remember because it came up in an interview with Ikuhara about the show, and I will try and track that down at some point. Yeah, this character is drawn in a costume that would imply it is a woman playing a man's part in theater. This is very, very Ikuhara. Ikuhara is very into fucking with the gender roles. I didn't actually know that this was supposed to be like a woman playing man sort of role when I was watching this episode earlier. I noticed that there was a gender ambiguity about it and that the person was like still wearing heels and still very feminine in their presentation, but it had not occurred yeah. to me that it might be like of a it, it, a performative nature. Yeah, it's it's just it's not an exact one for one match, obviously, but like yeah. the, the way this person's drawn the heels, the like haircut, the the general everything is this is someone playing a male part in theater. Ikohara makes entertainment for japanese people like the fact that we as like americans are big fans of it like that's just sort of ancillary we are not technically like the target audience and so it would not be weird to think that ikuhara is aiming at an audience that would recognize this as a takarazuka quote-unquote, male performer. Yeah, in this case, I just happen to know about it because I saw uh, an interview that was quoted in ANN uh, about that a couple years ago, so... Do you have anything else from that interview that you would like to... No, nothing at this time. It okay. That was the detail that stayed in my head was specifically... And to be clear, like, the, re- the interview was being referenced in ANN by someone writing about this show. Yeah. It was not... It was not being, like, run directly, so... Sure. I am quoting a secondary source, quoting a primary source here. Take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I think on with the show. So, we're still seeing little headmistress Eureka's backstory, and she describes being told that pure things need to be kept in boxes to be kept precious and unsullied. I really like that translation. The English translation also uses unsullied quite a bit. Uh, it's actually not quite a one-for-one. One. And this is one of the weird moments where I know a little bit of Japanese. Uh, we, we might want to pause for just half yeah, a second yeah, yeah. here, because this is another thing. I'm sorry. Th- this episode front-loaded all, all of my rants. You have to make sure she apologizes, or else she get, starts to get a big head about it. You gotta, you gotta contain the beast. Fair enough. So... The Japanese word that they use is actually the opposite of unsullied. They use the word kegare a lot. Okay. Which, kegare is physically filthy, but also kind of spiritually filthy. Uh, it, it's, it shows up a lot in Shinto. Okay. This idea of, like, things can become stained and impure. Like, it's not a one-for-one one translation, but if you go and you read the Old Testament, like, unclean, the way the word is unclean is used in the Old Testament is pretty close to what kegare can mean. When something is being kept free of, like, kegare, it's not just being kept free of physical things that could dirty it, it's being kept free of spiritual stains as well. Like, that's kind of obvious just from the translation used, but I I just thought that was a really cool 
little thing. I spent two hours learning this to understand Dark Souls better. Don't judge me. You know, I have to take it back. I said you were a Toriador 100%. I'm starting to think that maybe you are like 50% Toriador and 50% Tremere. Don't you even. All I right. don't know what these words mean, but I assume that they will mean something. Vampire somehow. the Masquerade. So, continuing Yurika's backstory, she was abandoned, or about to be abandoned, by this person who found her as a baby and was raising her and told her she needed to be kept pure and unsullied in his box. Gross. And the lesson that she learns is that you have to take the things that are precious to you and you have to box them up in order to keep them from becoming sullied or... Abandoning you. Yeah. And I... I have to say that this actually... This subplot about Eureka or... Is it... Eureka. Eureka is how they say it in the in the English dub is Eureka. So I don't know. It might be either or. The way her name is written in the subs, which is what I've been defaulting to, is Y U R I I K A. So like Eureka, like the word Eureka, but you pronounce the I twice. So that might that might be what they're going for. Yeah, I think that maybe they're going for like the E and A, like the the two eyes being pronounced slightly different, but I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. We got to Yurieka cutting lilies from the field to put them in her boxes and preserve them when she is confronted by Rhea, Kareha's mother, who asks her why she's doing that. Who is drawn it like she is just Kareha. Yep. They look very similar. We all look exactly like our mothers, but with slightly different hair. Everyone knows yep. this. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So Yurika tells her that if you don't box things up, they will become unwanted and no one will find them. And Rhea tells her, but I found you. You should open your boxes and let me see your precious things. Otherwise, if you box them all up, it's the same as not having them at all. So, yeah, the invisible here is also like the same invisible as in Invisible Storm. So that's a thing. Uh, We get a shot of all of these boxes that look like mortuary drawers opening up. We get another shot of Yurika in a wedding dress, which is a thing that, like, the... I'm just going to call him her abuser mm-hmm. dressed her in. Yes. And it's kind of symbolizing when she's with Rhea, she feels as special as the guy who was definitely probably grooming her that made her feel. 110%. Yep. She is spending time with Yurika. We get a little montage of their friendship, and she asks Rhea, well, rather, she tells Rhea, I love you. She asks her, do you love me? Rhea says, uh, yes, I love you a lot. We'll be friends forever, won't we? Yes, friends forever. And you see the the lilies are in bloom, and we also see her give Rhea the star pendant as proof of their friendship. A pledge to never forget love. If you don't forget love, you'll never be alone. Uh, Rhea is saying this to Yurieka. If you don't forget love, even if you lose something, you'll never be invisible. I love you so much, Rhea. What's with her? She She's not disguised herself at all, for the record. Yeah. No, uh, this she's is actually, like, um, full on, like, in her, like, semi-bear form. Yeah, that will actually make sense in a minute. So I'm not going to explain that yet. Okay. Yeah, so... 
Yurieka says, I always knew Rhea's love was different than mine, but even still, I kind of let myself live in that dream. We cut to 17 years ago, and Yurika is visiting uh, Rhea, and Rhea's got little baby Kureha in her arms. And little baby Kureha loves the pendant. And we see Yurika getting really jealous here. She has a flashback to memories of her abuser, and she imagines her abuser telling her, You have to put your precious things in boxes. Otherwise, they will be sullied. They will become kegare. You will lose them. Now you've lost Rhea's love. The baby took the love from you because you left your box and you got stained. Babies are the purest thing in the world. I find it interesting that I know that this series does not really feature men in any meaningful way, like aside from the three bear dudes in bear court. Yep. And even they are not particularly, like, masculine men, but, uh, Abiogenesis. It's just abiogenesis. You just, like, babies are just happen. They just, like, just, like, form out of the ground one day. It's you just, just interesting like, to me one. that, like, normally when you would have a situation where there's, like, two women and, like, one of them feels romantically for the other but has not said it, like, the rival is like a male suitor but in this case it is a child so the thing is like we don't really have a way of knowing yurikuma does not take place in the real world for all we know this isn't a thing that happens involving men but even if it even if it is even if we assume that that's like part of the setting like i mean like we see male bears so you know yeah either either or but like even if we assume that there is a man in the picture, I think it's important that he's kind of... He is dead and or gone by the time Koreha is born. Uh-huh. He's not really important here. And I kind of like that the rival is Koreha, the infant, because one, if it were a male suitor, it, would be obvi- it wouldn't be immediately obvious why Rhea... That Rhea is like completely... Un- or not that Rhea, but that uh, Yureka is very unhinged. Like, it, it's normal to be a little bit jealous of the crush or the spouse of someone you like, even if it's technically wrong. But it is extremely abnormal thinking to project the way she is now. And I think it's important that it's be kind of abnormal thinking because you're supposed to draw a direct link between this and what her abuser did to her. This is directly, she would not be thinking like this if she had not literally from, like, foundling age been told the only way, the only things that are worth loving in the world are pure. The only things that are worth loving in the world are the things that you shut away and keep safe and unsullied. And now because you've gone out and become sullied, you've become unlovable. And instead this very pure newborn life that hasn't had a chance to be sullied yet has taken the love that was supposed to belong to you. Okay. I have to think really quickly here. Yeah. When I first watched this, I read the entirety of Yurikuma as being kind of wrapped in this, like the whole thing is a big old metaphor. Mm-hmm. First time I watched it. And when I got to this, what I interpret this as, as a kind of, she loved Kuriha's mom. Kuriha's mom got into a relationship. And she didn't really 
she was so obsessed with the way she felt about Curry Sauce Bomb that she didn't really consider that that relationship was, might be real or legitimate until Curry Sauce Bomb had Curry Hot. It's like, 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 till a baby is involved. It's like, oh, that is a marking point at which this relationship is a legitimate one, and I am not going to be the one that gets get. I'm not going to get what I want here. It's kind of a fi- final frontier. That like, kind of oh. reminds me of The Great Gatsby, because, yeah. like, in The Great Gatsby, like, Gatsby doesn't really consider Desi's relationship with Tom until he has to, like, confront the fact that they had a child together. Yeah. Yeah, there's a degree of to which, like, once you have, like, a kid, like, oh, that, it, it, it changes things. It changes the dynamics, because there's a whole new person involved. And that's a, a whole living human person. It's kind of hard to ignore. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I think that's an absolutely like you can definitely come away with that. I just think it's very important to focus as well on the fact that like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's specifically centering Kureha the way she is because she believes I am no longer pure. This is happening to me because I am no longer pure. Mm-hmm. This baby is stealing my love because only pure things are lovable. That's, like, really important to understanding why Yurieka is the way she is. All right. Yeah. yeah. Roll it. We get a shot of a lily that has been cut, dropping, to indicate her sadness, by the way. Uh, the world becomes gray again, and we see all of the little... So the bird charms are, like, a big running motif with Yurieka in general. Mm-hmm. They show up a lot. They show up on the Wall of Severance. Her kind of, like, motif is a little brooch shaped like one. They kind of symbolize only... You start to understand over time, like, these things symbolize death. The more of them are surrounding her, the the closer she's coming to just becoming the absolute murderer she she is. Womp womp. We see a shot of the Yuri field in uh, the lily field in winter and now the wall of severance is constructed almost as if in response to her hurt in other words the reason she wasn't disguising herself before the wall of severance wasn't a thing 20 years ago i see which implies that humans and bears did live in peace at one point yep this is a new state of the world this is not ancient this is Something that's only been imposed in the lifetimes of some of the characters, which I think is hugely important. It's kind of ambiguous whether it's like the wall in its entirety popped up because like that wouldn't quite square up with some other flashbacks. But it is definitely like the wall got worse in this moment. Mm -hmm. And now we see why Ginkgo has that pendant. Rhea gave it to her when she sent her back to the other side of the wall of severance. And a jealous Yurieka confronts her and says, Why did you throw away my love? Kills her and eats her. Yurieka, the headmistress, is the one who killed Kureha's mother. She, it's always been her. Yeah. The one who's been grooming Kureha to hate bears. The one who's been constantly over her shoulder. She's the murderer. Yeah. 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 Yup. Yeah. TFW, you eat your ex, then you decide that you have to get her daughter too. Yep. <laughs> 100% completion run. And oh my god, uh, no. As we well, conclude Alice. this like flashback, 
we kind of transition into Kareha telling her about what happened with Ginko on the yeah. porch. Yep. And Yorayeka's internal narration continues for a bit, and she says, even after eating Rhea, I still felt empty. We also see a little bit more of how that conversation went, and apparently Kureha asked Ginko why she had it, and Ginko told her, I can't tell you why. I can't tell, or rather, I can't tell you right now. And she and Lulu both bailed that morning. Yurieka shows Kareha pictures of Ginko and Lulu in bear form. I love attacking this little salmon Very cutely. It's very cute. Yep. And, you know, kind of drives home to her, yes, Ginko Yurishiro has to be the one who killed your mother, without a doubt. And she tries to imply that she was always lying about being friends, even when she was young. She was trying to get close to her specifically to kill her mother. You have to kill them. Or rather, you have to exclude them. She uses the wording of the invisible storm here. That's important. So one of the things I love about this episode is, oh yeah, and also we get her ultimate plan. The title of this episode is Bride in a Box. She is explicitly trying to groom Kareha to be her bride in a box. She is trying to, yep. She is trying to isolate her, cut her off from all support, kill her, and then seal her in one of her boxes so that she can have that little scrap of Rhea's love forever. We also get a flashback to Lulu now getting the letter that freaked her out last episode. And she suggests to Ginko that they both go back to the other side of the wall. Because no matter how true Ginko's love is, when Kureha knows she's a bear, she won't be able to forgive you. The promised kiss only exists in a picture book, she says. Kubaria is the goddess of the wall, she says. Her job is to separate humans and bears. She'd never make us friends. Ginko responds, I made you give up on kisses, Lulu. I'm not gonna go back. Even if it means you could- A grave sin, says Lulu. I know what you did, Ginko. A grave sin. So let's go home. If Kureha finds out, you can't get love. But you can't do a promised kiss without telling her the truth. Let's go home, Ginko. Even if you give up on love, I love you. I love that. This is where, yep, this is where we kind of get, yeah. Oh, uh, here's a great bit. So the Wall of Severance calls. And at first you think for like for half a second they're calling for Ginko. It cuts to Yurika, or Yurieka, who is getting the call. And it's a challenge to her. Kureha has also gotten the call. The bears are waiting for you. Yup. We haven't gotten that challenge in a while. We get Kureha practicing with her goddamn murder gun, <laughs> which I do have to ask the translator why they went, I'll ruin bears. The word she's using is Hakai. I, that can mean a couple of things. Ruin is a valid translation. Destroy, break. But like, it, it, it's technically not like exterminate or something. So, like, <laughs> the translation's correct. But I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna ruin bears. Girl, you desperate. <laughs> There had to have been a better way to translate that. I'll destroy you, bears. <laughs> Again, everything comes back to that one sound clip of, of um, Hiro Yui. I'll kill you. So, like, the bears are talking about it, and I love that, like, one of them is like, this kind of is mean, and the other one's like, ah, eh, whatever, we'll figure out who's, yep. whose love is true. Yep, It'll be it's, uh, yep. Also, as per usual, life sexy, life cool, and uh, life... God, what's his name? Life twink are all <laughs> standing on top... <laughs> are all standing on top of the wall of severance as it's being constructed. 
Uh, in fact, Life Sexy is literally riding up on a girder. We also get a flashback, apparently to the past, uh, where the bear court were talking to Yurieka, and they asked her, will you give up on boxes or love? And she chose to give up on love, and asked them to make her a human so she could watch Kureha Subaki grow up so that she could get the love that Rhea put inside her and fill herself with it. Life Sexy asks her, you won't regret it? If you do that, you're going to be a box forever. Rhea gave my love to some other cub like it was nothing. I won't forgive her. And now we see exactly how fucked these guys are. They approve approved. that. Yep. I do like that, like, very explicitly... They cut away from her getting on any kind of transformation sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We cut to the rooftop where Yurieka is standing, and she says, I've been waiting for you, Kureha. And Ginko's there, too. And we get the saddest and angriest confrontation in the whole series. <sighs> Kureha is convinced that Ginko is her mother's killer, and Yurieka is just egging her on, like just repeating all the poison she's put into Kureha's mind. Kureha levels her gun, about to shoot Ginko, and Ginko speaks up. She doesn't actually deny for a minute that she hit her mother until... And she finally admits, like, no, I didn't kill her. I have the pendant because your mother gave it to me. She said it was a love charm. Yep. She admits she's a bear, which is a big step. And even though she's a bear, she and Kureha were friends anyway. Yep, and she also mentions one day we couldn't be together anymore, which... I take to mean that, like, something drastic did happen with the Wall of Severance. Yeah. Yep. Ginko reminds Kureha that she, Ginko, was an unwanted bear, and Kureha found her. You approved me and gave love to me. I I kind of love the use of the word approval there. Yeah. It's very, like, this is very much like the metaphor is just smacking you in the face. Now, approval is validation yeah i really you're okay for being who you are i really like the use of like certain words and phrases in this and the way that they communicate like it's not very realistic but that's on purpose alice uh level with me you you understand like lit better than i do this is brechtian right yeah it's it's a little bit like so the answer is kind of like, Brecht would call attention to the fact that the play is a play by, like, it's Brechtian when someone comes in to hand you a script that is a rewrite, and the the character has to read from the script, like, that kind of thing. This is kind of like that, but it's also super stylized. It's a super, super, like, there's an almost, like, weird formalism to it, where, like, Yes, you are watching something that is inherently kind of artificial and how it is framed, but also it has its own internal logic, like its own weird internal ritualistic logic. So it's it's kind of Brechtian, but it's also kind of its own thing. That's fair. That's fair. I just wanted to hear you say stuff about Brecht, because I Aww. like you. <laughs> Ginkgo states that, like, I wanted to be true friends with you. Yurieka just doubles down. She says that Ginko killed the girls in the class. Ginko responds, yeah, to protect Kureha. She doesn't even try to deny it. it. She is very quick to admit that. Yurieka tells her that bears feel no love or friendship because they are sullied beasts. Yep, uh, there's that Kagare again. And now we get the weirder, the weirdest bit of this episode. 
Ginko says, I get it now. When Kumaria was talking about the promise kissed, she meant your bullet, Kareha. Oof. God damn. She just basically says, I will accept you shooting me if it proves my love is the real thing. It's the only way to become true friends with you. Yurieka continues egging Kareha on. Kareha raises the gun like she's going to fire. Ginko asks her to give her the promised kiss. And then Kareha is overwhelmed by a flood of memories of the time she spent with Ginko. Not the time she spent with Ginko when they were young. The time she spent with Ginko now. Like, including a little bit from that dream she had once. Yeah, remember that time that she got, like, very, 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 like, sleepy and just had a dream about her girlfriend? Mwah! Yep. The rain begins falling. The spotlights that were over Kareha's head just cut out. And Kareha's gun drops to her side as she realizes she can't shoot Ginko. And that even if she did shoot her, it would never bring her mother back. And everything would have probably been okay. Ginko saved her from the invisible storm. Yep. Everything would have been okay if it weren't for Lulu. Top 10 anime betrayals. God, I hate this. Lulu okay. appears out of nowhere to inform Kureha that she knows what Ginko did to Sumika and says, that's right, Ginko committed a grave crime. Ginko was Sumika's and then a clash of thunder drowns out her words. We get a few shots in the rain where characters speak, but we cannot hear what they are saying. Kureha is overwhelmed and shocked by this information. Ginko responds. She doesn't move to defend herself. And Kureha levels her gun, repeats that she will ruin all bears, and will never forgive them, and shoots. And we get, as she does, as she shoots, we get a short intercut of pages from the picture book. I know that it's like a big moment, but... When, like, the thunder did the thing and you couldn't hear anybody talk, what it reminded me of was the Fairly Odd Parents in the episodes where <laughs> Timmy Turner goes back in time to help his dad train for a marathon. And every time the kid that is supposed to be his dad in the future says like my name is and then like a, a loud car drives by and then yep. he'll be like but everybody just calls me dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's a very deliberately like not so much i guess stagey is the wrong word for that convention it's a very sure apparently television thing yeah and that's the end of the episode. Uh, we do have our little ending sequence, as per usual. It's the same one from last time. I love but it. There is, there is no uh, post credit scene this time. So th this really is the end of the episode. It really is. I really liked this episode, even though now I'm very sad. Yeah. It's um, very sad. It very much is. Just when you think that Ginkgo and Kureha are going to have a chance to kind of maybe build something on that old relationship it is pulled away from them in the cruelest way possible and mm -hmm. it also is doubly cruel because it involves lulu who is genuinely not trying to do anything wrong here yeah she she kind of thinks she's in a way she thinks she's protecting ginkgo but yeah she utterly fails she gets her shot because uh Lulu is kind of, like, I love Lulu, but she is also the worst. I'm sorry. 
I've been I've been holding that inside for a long time. This is where I remind you that in the art, I am Lulu, so I guess I have to portray you now. I don't accept this idea that Lulu is worse, even if she does mess up a lot. It's actually worth noting here that what Lulu does here and what Ginkgo did I to saw Sumika, you resolved everything, so now I need to tell you the secret that will get her killed. Yeah, like, I, I do think it's worth noting that, like, the crime Lulu kind of does here to Ginkgo and the crime Ginkgo did to Sumika, are both basically the same thing. Both of them could have chosen to do something that, or rather they're mirrored. Like, in Ginkgo's case, she could have absolutely saved Sumika, and she chose not to, which we already know. And in Lulu's case, she absolutely could have chosen not to step in at that moment, but she did. And in both cases, it's kind of the same motive. It's on some level, jealousy. They are a little bit overwhelmed by their own desire, and it become and in that one moment, it becomes something that isn't positive. And I I think it's like notable that it ha- that happens to both of them because they're both good people. They're both fundamentally good characters. In like they are good people in other aspects. They actually do care about the people they love. And usually that's a very positive thing for them, but it can be, it can drive even, like, people who are normally good people to do things that are not necessarily good. Yeah. And I I, I don't know, I, I like that. I think that's pretty neat use of subtle writing. Remember, I think a couple of episodes ago, when we brought up the Suspiria wallpaper and whatnot. Yes. Uh, I mentioned that the reason Suspiria is significant to Yurikuma is it is a movie about young girls who are consumed in a school. Yes. Suspiria's villain is the ultimate monster at the heart of Suspiria is the headmistress who is a witch who targets and possesses and kills the young women who are students there. Yeah, I've gotten that vibe from Suspiria. Yeah. Didn't expect it to be literally consuming in this case, did you? Yeah. Ah. Well. <laughs> I kind of like this version better because, honestly, Suspiria's finale is a little bit of a letdown. This wah, reveal wah. is actually great. Every time I watched this episode, even before I knew about, like, that connection, which it did give me a secret little thrill, I'm always <laughs> wowed by how easy it is to both understand that Yurieka is the worst person but also to understand she did not become this way, you know, by accident. Like, it's not even the, oh, you're, you know, the person that you love didn't love you back. It's yeah. specifically, you understand, like, you are this way because there was someone who made you this way. Yes. In a way that doesn't really, like, excuse the awful things she's done, of but does not. give you room to understand that, like, Context doesn't have to be an excuse. Yeah, but but does give you the ability to understand, like, even when there is no excuse, sometimes it's still possible to understand other people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, empathy does not have to equal forgiveness. Which I feel like, I feel like is very Ikuhara. Like, it feels very much like... Yeah. That's, like, a lesson that he would want to impart. Yeah, this is me sitting here and, like, going, trying to remember, like, did he ever do anything like this for Akio? (laughs) I mean, I I feel like, 
I yeah. feel like Akio is different. Like yeah. Dio's. I mean, like that's what Dio's is. That whole episode, like, there's a whole episode about it. Fair. I don't know. I just really like this this episode. Yes. I like. I do too, and I this has given me a a deeper and better understanding of our dear Principal Reza Hawkeye, who I already kind of liked to begin with. So now I I like that they have given her some more depth in this. Yeah, and also like it's another one. This is like the second Skeleton Key episode to me. Yeah, like episode six is kind of the point where like. You kind of, where once you get there, you kind of go, oh, that's what the previous six episodes were all about. Yeah. Episode eight is the same thing again, and it unlocks different bits of the story. Yeah. Yeah. The next few episodes are just a whirlwind of forward plot momentum. Not to spoil anything. that's exciting. Because I think at this point we have just about all of the, the pieces in place to understand all of everyone's motivations, why they're here, why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. From this point forward, we're going to be getting a lot of, and now we're going to see what they do. And I, I really, I just love the the way the series moves forward from here. But I'm excited to find out. This is such a great, not a twist, but um, transition from the the second act to the third, and I love it. Well, I am excited. To find out what we have in store. Do we have any final words for this episode, or is that it? Uh, I think it was good. Okay, I thought it was too. I just wanted to make sure. All right, well, listeners, I enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you did too. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at UtanaCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Alice. Where can people find you online? They can find me at Lyrewolf on Twitter, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Cass, I know you're not really active on social media. What would you like to promote in this spot right here? I am glad you asked, Panda, coincidentally editor of the thing I promote. I would like to promote my contribution to the growing Panda cinematic podcast universe, Big Steppy. Big Steppy! It is a podcast where Alice and I talk about giant robot shows, basically. Real robots, cool robots, and real cool robots. Thank you. I'm very glad I came up with that tagline. Literally it's so good! I love it! <laughs> Thank you. It is probably the best bit of writing I've done in some time. Um, I'm glad really you like good. it. Uh, if you want to find out more about that show, we have, I believe, up to episode... Are we on episode two or episode three now, currently uploaded, Alice? I honestly don't remember. Eh, this will be we out in a couple to... weeks, so it won't even matter. You'll, I'm sure you'll be yeah. up to a certain episode by the time people yeah, the... this. We will have most or all of our retrospective on the original Mobile Suit Gundam up by the time you're hearing this. Then. Yeah! And uh, you can also uh, contact us to ask questions about the show or make suggestions or tell us anything you like at uh, our official Twitter, which is at SteppyCast. That is S-T-E-P-P-Y-C-A-S-T. Does Chobits fall under the category of real robots, cool robots, or real cool robots? (laughs) Honestly, I would be willing to talk about it if you ever wanted to talk about it with us. See, that's what we're gonna, that's gonna be my episode, is I'm gonna make you guys watch, like, five episodes of Chobits with me. 
Uh, you know what? I'm honestly look forward to that in the future. Yes! I have finally gotten somebody to watch Chobits with me. But, uh, but only if you, uh, come on and we, we talk about something. And we, we do the, uh, the episode I've always wanted to do, which is why, uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena is secretly a mecha anime. Oh, I'm also oh, game good. for that. That sounds great. All right. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can do that at imagineandutina.gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter or you could find our Tumblr where I reblog Utina fan art, which is imagineandutina.tumblr.com. We have a Patreon. You can find that link pretty much anywhere you can find us online. And boy, do I appreciate our patrons right now when... We are still in a a place of financial instability in my household, but otherwise, thank you everyone for all your support, and I love you very much, and I guess our our sign-off is Gal Gal. Gal Gal. If we were on Zencaster, I'd hit the cool theme song button, but uh, I don't have that, so. (laughs) Look for the...